So today I'd like to talk to you about something that's near and dear to my heart. And this is something that I uh, was uh, perusing and reading through Second uh, Corinthians and just looking at Paul's first and second letter and just enjoying um, Paul as he articulates what it's really all about. What it's really all about is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the transformation that takes place when a person submits their life to Christ in repentance of their sins and turning to God. Their heart is converted, is born again. And there's the Holy Spirit that invades the heart at invitation when we receive Christ as Savior, the Spirit of Jesus. And He is on the inside of us, not just with us, God Emmanuel, but He is on the inside of us, the hope of glory, the hope of glory, the Spirit of God. And really, in fact, the same Spirit, the Word of God tells us, that raised Christ's mortal body from the grave is the same Spirit that lives in us. We are the temple, Paul articulates that later in this book, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're here in this building, and this building could be called, we used to be called Calvary Temple, which is a building, a place of worship, a place of sacrifice, and yet uh, this is just a building, it's brick and mortar, even though it's beautiful and we appreciate it and love it, and, uh, and, and someday, hopefully within the next few years, we're going to break ground right out here for a dedicated worship center, and I'm excited about that. Uh, but right now we meet in here, and God's glory fills this place, doesn't he? His glory comes here and fills this place, and we enjoy that. But God's glory is in us as well, his presence and his power. Uh, through thick and thin, through our difficulties, through our trials, through our triumphs, he is with us. And uh, God has included us. He has included us in the ministry. And I'm not just talking about the fivefold ministry from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, but I'm talking about the ministry of the laity, the ministry of each and every person who has been born again, who has trusted Christ as Savior. We have something to do to advance the kingdom of God and help people to grow deeper in their faith in Jesus. Somebody say amen. And I'm so thankful for the lay leaders we have here. I'm thankful for the department leaders, the ministry department leaders. I'm thankful for all the volunteers that serve. It's been a rough time coming back from COVID, trying to get people back into ministry, but we're making headway and we're growing and God is blessing. So I'm excited about the ministry. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Now I'd like to do something just a little bit differently today, if you don't mind. Can we shake it up a little bit? Okay, can you stand with me as we read the word today? And I'm going to read the, um, the odd verses. I don't mean they're odd, they're strange, but they're the odd numbers. And you read as a congregation out loud the even verses, okay? Will you do that? So I'm going to begin with verse number one. Therefore, since we have, say we have, we have, we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart, but... We have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in truth, but But by the open proclamation of the truth, commending ourselves to every person's conscience in the sight of God. You should have continued reading. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, read. In whose case...
For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants on account of Jesus. For God... God bless his word. You can be seated. So we look through the, uh, this passage of scripture, we see many, many things that are quite uh, uh, incredible and wonderful. And the, I think one of the most important, which is the title of my message, is we have this ministry. God has included us to partner with him in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are, as Paul said later uh, in this book, in chapter, t- uh, chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, And this is not on the overhead, but it says, For God was in Christ doing what? What is God doing in Christ? Reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It's a ministry of reconciliation. And he goes on so that we are Christ's ambassadors. And he's talking about us, we who have been saved, are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. God is appealing through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to become the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is the ministry that we have, the ministry of reconciliation that God will, as it were, even speak through us to call people back to a relationship with the living God. And that's exciting that God would allow us to be a part of that ministry of bringing people to a saving knowledge of Christ. And, and I like to say this, that when you become born again, um, I believe, whether you like it or not, uh, you are called into ministry. And somebody says, well, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be an evangelist. I don't want to be a missionary. I don't want a pastor. I just want to go to church. Well, you know, it's important that you go to church and that you're a part of a church family. But it's all more important that once you're a part of that church family that you contribute to the household. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your service that you serve in ministry. And I can tell you that Calvary has been a blessing for 20 years and even before that. It's, uh, we haven't had to beg for volunteers. This COVID has been difficult, but it's coming to a, to a uh, passing on and getting back to the normal. But people should love ministry. It is an honor to be called into a ministry. And so when you think of the word ministry, oftentimes we think of it uh, as Scripture talks about ministry. Uh, but when we think about ministry, we should equate it with service. Servant leadership and servant ministry, that we serve one another. Jesus, remember, put the towel on the Last Supper, put the towel on and took the, uh, around it, and he took the, the pitcher and the basin, and he washed the disciples' feet. He served. Peter was rather incensed. All of them were shocked that he would do the work of a humble servant of the household that would normally wash the dust from the traveler's feet as a service, as a hospitality. And here Jesus is doing it. No one else was doing it, so Jesus did it. You know, sometimes leaders do things, and they should, because followers aren't doing them. But followers should learn. We should grow in the knowledge and the understanding of the wonderful blessing that we have, the honor of being called to serve in ministry. Some people think of ministry as a duty or an obligation, and I think that's just wrong-hearted thinking. It's not an obligation or a duty. 
I know that many times uh, other churches, I know nobody does that here, but when the pastor asks you to do something or somebody, they say, oh, I'll do it because the pastor asked me, but I really don't want to do it. I said, nobody here does that, right? That's other churches. We don't have that problem here, right? But here we have some people feel that way, and it's a sad thing because you know what happens when you do things out of obligation or just duty? You do it grumbling and griping, you lose your reward. You know, Paul, in just a short time in this letter, he writes about the great judgment seat of Christ, the Bema judgment as it referred to. And at that judgment seat, all believers will stand before Christ and give an account of not their sins, because their sins have been forgiven, they are going to heaven, but they'll give an account for the works that they have done and, uh, in their body, in their life. And so we'll give an account and receive reward or loss of reward based upon our works. We don't work to get saved, but we work because we are saved. Somebody say amen. And so it's not an obligation. It's not just a duty. But when we do it cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver, that verse isn't just about cheerfully giving money. It's about cheerfully serving with your uh, talents and abilities God has given to you. We serve people uh, who are far from God to bring them near to God as well, as well as serving people in the church in order to, uh, so that they might know him personally and so that those who do know Christ can grow deeper in their relationship with him. We should always be growing. We never arrive in this life. One day, the apostle said, we will see him as he is and we'll be like him at that time, but until then, we continue to grow. How many know your pastor has a lot of imperfections? Don't all say amen at once. I have the family sitting right over here, and they were silent. Uh, they have to live with me. But it's a true thing that I have many uh, faults. Nick, and, and uh, Nick, you have a lot of faults too, right? I always like the scripture that says that uh, where it tells us that uh, we are to confess our, our sins or our faults to one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I like that. I say, Nick, you go first. And Mike, you go second. Pastor Diana, you go next, and then we get to the deacons, and I'll go last, okay? And I think there's probably so many faults of so many people that they'll never get around to me, right? And so we all struggle with those things, but when we grow deeper in the Word, when we go deeper in our faith, we become more like Him, and we reflect the light of His glory that is shining from the inside of us. Somebody say amen. And so this is what it's all about. It's about a ministry of reconciliation, but it's a ministry of discipleship as well, that we grow deeper in our love with God. And he changes us, transforms us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, as we walk with him and as we study his word, we become more likely. You know, the whole goal here is to, is to preach the message of Christ, not just with words, but with our life and our example, because we are living letters to be read of all men, that they should see a change in something different in our lives, something that will ask, cause them to ask for the hope that is in our life, to seek after the hope that's in our life. It's about bringing them to a faith in Christ so that they have a conversion of the soul, so that they are translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son, in the same way that we were when we accepted Christ as Savior. I can tell you that when I received Christ as Savior, that the light and the darkness became so transparent that I could see for the first time the darkness that I lived in. And I know that some of you as well, you could see that. It gave you hope, bringing you out of darkness into his light. 
Paul was simply saying that we have, each one of us, has a specific purpose to fulfill. God has given you a purpose to fulfill in his kingdom. He has given you a call, a specific to you. Now, other people could do your ministry that you were called to if you don't do it, but God intends for you to do it in the way that he would uh, do it through your personality and through your way. And when you don't do it, you're missing out on uh, being used of God and sending a message to those that God would have you minister to that you would give in your unique way. And so we don't want to miss out. We don't want to stand before the beam of judgment one day before Christ and, and give an account and God will play maybe up on the big screen a replay of your life. I don't know. That scares me. I don't know about you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that really scares me, by the way. Um, but, uh, uh, but to see opportunities that we have missed. God has given us opportunities that we need to seize and seize the day. I missed an opportunity once when I was young. Uh, when I was very young, on my first sales route in inner city Kansas City, um, and uh, there was a, another salesman that uh, came into this little drugstore, Leo's Drugstore, on the corner of 18th and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Brooklyn, right across from the old uh, A Stadium. They were tearing it down the first year I was there. And, uh, it, and uh, this guy would come in, he'd always look so sad, and He'd come and go real fast, wouldn't talk, and Dorothy, the clerk that would check me in, a beautiful black lady who loved Jesus with all of her heart, and she came to me one day, and she says, Tim, you know, his supervisor came in to do his work today, and I said, really, how come? Where's he at? She said, his supervisor said that he committed suicide yesterday, he, and he, he's, he died, and apparently he had personal problems. His wife left him. He was depressed, and he just took his life, and I immediately thought... Of the, I hadn't been on this route very long, but I thought of the few times that when I saw him, I saw that he was sad, that he wasn't conversive, and I thought, you know, I was a little shy back then. Can you believe that? Um, and I, I resisted the Holy Spirit about stepping out and starting conversation with him, which I would have led him, and I've led other people to Christ through the years after that, but I missed the opportunity, and, and I don't know where this man is. You know, it might be likely he might be in hell today. And I thought, God, forgive me. And I had to repent of that. And I still remember that to this day. And it motivates me to not miss an opportunity again to tell people about Jesus. You see, we have a ministry that God calls us to. We have a Holy Spirit who quickens our heart. What does that mean? Make us alive. That he prompts us with these ideas that, hey, you need to go talk to that person. Oh, you need to teach that class. You need to talk to Jared uh, who's not here today is with Royal Rangers today, but to, to help with Royal Rangers or Lisa Party with Missionettes or Pastor Diana with King's Kids or Pastor Mike when we do VBS Sports Camp. God speaks to us by His Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, Holy Spirit is wonderful. He speaks to us. He doesn't just bless us with His presence, which is wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? But what's really wonderful is He leads and guides us into all truth. He leads and guides us into our purposes that God created us for and saved us for to do the good works that he called us to. You know, whether, uh, you know, whether you're uh, calling us to youth ministry, jail ministry, kids ministry, Royal Rangers, Impact Clubs for Girls, women's ministry, men's ministry, the healing ministry, discipleship ministry, the counseling ministry, the mom's ministry, uh, you know, Bible quiz ministry, et cetera, et cetera, the ministries, the small groups that we have here. You know, it doesn't really matter what you're called to 
as long as you listen to God, listen to the Holy Spirit, and do it with all the strength that you have. Ministry simply means to serve. Ministry means servanthood. And we all have the ministry. It's not a choice, and we don't, and, and you don't, if you don't do this ministry, you can't ignore it, you can't run from it, you can't deny it, or graciously and gratefully receive it and answer the call. I had a call to ministry. And through many years, uh, you know, I went through and went to Bible college, you know, sacrificed to do that, going evening classes, and Donna went a couple years with me, and I finished up after her, and, uh, and, and uh, tried to start a church in our hometown, Liberty, Missouri, and eventually merged with another congregation and stayed there for a couple of years, and, and then I got so discouraged with uh, pastoral ministry, I thought, well, I, just, I guess I'm just, you know, I'm just going to, and I denied it. I ran from it until one day when I was applying for a, a job, sent my resume to this uh, uh, this uh, company in downtown Kansas City, and I was in management already uh, at that point. And I remember driving away after this interview from the skyline in my rearview mirror, driving into Kansas, side of the great metropolitan area, to do some sales calls. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit will speak to you? He spoke to me and he said, How long will you run from the call that I've called you to? This is the last time I'm going to remind you of your call. If you choose business, I'll bless you. If you choose ministry, I'll bless you. And I just, man, it shocked me. Shocked me. It jolted me awake. And I drove to the first, we didn't have cell phones back then, but I drove to my first stop and ran over to the payphone, called down. I said, get my ministry resume up to date. I've got to answer the call to ministry. It can't run from it anymore. There comes a time of an awakening of the soul, awakening of the heart. Now, I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody online or somebody here who had that call to pastoral ministry. I don't know. But if that message was for you, that story is for you, you need to wake up because God is calling. He's knocking on the door of your heart. But I'm also talking to the laity people here who say that I have nothing to give. I'm not that smart. I'm not, you know, that versed in the Bible. I didn't go to Bible college. You know... You can grow in your knowledge of God's Word, and you can make a difference in somebody's life. I'm getting way off my notes here. I may not even finish today. But I can tell you right now that uh, yesterday I was speaking with Kip Martin after men's ministry. By the way, guys, if you're missing men's ministries, you are missing out. We, we just finished a Tony Evans series that is incredible. And I'll tell you, it's inspiring and motivating um, and you know, there's probably about 20 of us guys there yesterday, and we were visiting afterwards. I was talking to Kip. You know, Kip and Sandy have served in so many ministries over the years. They're pillars in this church. Uh, Kip has served, he still serves with youth ministry, Sandy and the worship team. And, uh, but Kip used to be the teen Bible quiz coach back years back when my two younger daughters were young and in, uh, in high school. And Kip would uh, work with them. And you know, one day uh, through the years, um, when my daughters grew up and they were adults, my daughter Lisa, who was here last week or a few weeks ago, she said to me, she said, Dad, we were talking about the Martins, how she had a nice visit with them that morning, this has been several years ago, and I said, uh, she said, Dad, you don't know how much Kip did for me. I said, well, I know, he did the Bible quiz for you, you know, he, did, he, was, the, he was a good coach, and, she says, no, no, Dad, you don't understand. She said, uh, he did more than that. Sandy was there too, but Kip invested in me. See, He made a difference in my life. And I said, well, of course he did. And, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, he did. She says, no, Dad, you don't understand. 
the only reason that I'm serving God today is because of what Kip invested in me. And I didn't know that. And so, you know, Kip is, is my best friend for life. He invested in my daughters and made a difference in their life. And I'm telling you that everybody here has that potential. You have the potential to invest in someone's life, but if you sit on the sidelines, in the grandstands, just cheering other people on, you'll never get in the game to make a difference yourself, and you're going to miss out on that. And one day, I believe, when the Scripture says that about heaven, that he will, one of the attributes of heaven is that he will wipe away all tears. Because I think there's going to be tears of regret at the Bema judgment for the missed opportunities that we let pass by. And I'm just saying, we need to get in the game. We need to serve. And I'm telling you, we're doing an incredible outreach, an evangelistic outreach, probably the biggest this church has ever done, certainly spending more money than we've ever spent. We're doing a major production. This is a major drama production of Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. The purpose of it is to, through drama, preach the message of Christ, of how that if you receive Christ as Savior, if you turn from your sins, that you can have your eternity changed, the destiny of your eternity changed. I said when I came here that we should win people by all means. And I don't mean just by all means we should do it, that too, but by all means. That if there's a method, I shared with the board when I interviewed here 20 years ago, plus years ago, that I believe in the power of drama, that it preaches a message that some people will hear that they wouldn't normally hear from a pulpit. That their heart will respond when they see something acted out. And I said to the board and said to the staff that when this comes, it'll be here in September, all hands on deck. I want the youth involved, all the staff members involved, the board members involved, the leaders. I want the laity involved in everything. And so there's a sign-up in the bulletin each Sunday that you can sign and say, count me in. Deanna's keeping track of it. And we are going to have a powerful, powerful evangelistic outreach that is going to, I believe, rock the foundations of this community. It is going to rock the foundations of this community. We need to warn people that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to miss. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So we need to get involved. It's not a choice. If you ignore it, you're going to stand accountable for it. And I'm not trying to guilt you to do it. I'm trying to encourage you to do it so that when you stand before the Lord, you can say, I grasp that opportunity, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. In this ministry, we must not fail. We cannot fail in this ministry. Now, we might have moments where we missed the mark, where we didn't get what we were expecting, uh, you know, an outreach that maybe we planned, that we invest a lot of money, and we may not hit the mark, but we tried, and we have to keep on trying. God has blessed this church with incredible financial resources, and shame on us if we don't use them to advance the kingdom of God in any way possible that we can. We can't falter. We can't quit. There's no quitting allowed. Though sometimes in challenging seasons we might think of quitting, the COVID season over the last year, I spent the year in almost in uh, sadness and depression because I couldn't see you in person. 
It was so hard for me as your pastor not to personally connect with you in ways that we normally would do. And, and I'll tell you what, that time is over, and I celebrate every time we get together and appreciate it even more bef- than what we had before. When you lose something, you really appreciate it more than what you did or what you should have. Uh, sometimes uh, in serving, we can feel underappreciated. I know a lot of pastors... Uh, over the years, and a lot of pastors and read about a lot who feel underappreciated by those that they're serving, and they feel like, what's the use? Sometimes, you know, one of the saddest things I heard uh, John Maxwell say one time uh, from his research and he, others that he shared from others' research is that on Monday is the biggest day, the highest volume day, when pastors write out a letter of resignation Monday morning because they're so discouraged about Sunday. And I tell you, I have never done that. I've never, and I'm not condemning those who did in discouragement, but I can tell you that I have always been pumped and encouraged by Calvary Church. You guys are awesome. I, I love pastoring this church. That's why you can't get rid of me. I mean, I, I, you, know, you know, why leave a good thing, you know, when God is moving and the Spirit of God and, you know, so much has been accomplished, but God has greater things ahead. Somebody say amen. And we need to be involved. We need to connect with that. You know, why do we do this? We don't do it for ourselves. Uh, We don't do it just for those that we're serving. But here's why. Look at Psalms 115.1. The psalmist says, not to us, Lord, not to us. Twice he says that. But to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. That's why we serve. That's why we do what we do. And he goes on, he says it again, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Not to us, O Jehovah, not to us. But unto thy name give glory for thy loving kindness and for thy true sake. You see, it's not what we get out of it, the gratification or the pats on the back or the encouragement even, although that's important to give and we should encourage one another as we see the day approaching, but it's all for the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. It's not about us. I remember Pastor Roger many years ago, he was somebody who spoke his mind uh, wasn't always so diplomatic, but I remember him telling somebody who was kind of, I don't know, complaining about something, and he said, are you aware that besides yourself, maybe nobody's ever told you that there's about three billion other people on the planet? It's not about you. And I thought, man, why don't you just hit him with a two-by-four, Roger? But he spoke the truth, didn't he? He told the truth, and, and, uh, and he had a way of doing that. It's not about us. And so many times when we're serving God, sometimes even messages that we hear on TV, and maybe sometimes you misinterpret what I say, God does care about our personal needs. But we need to care more about us and our personal needs. We need to care about Him and His kingdom, about the advancement of His kingdom on the earth, while we're still, still time, still time. Pastor, uh, Brother Dave here, we, you know, Dave uh, Ewer, in ministry now, and last week he spoke at Oconto. Dave, would you stand just shout out how many people got saved last week and healed? Shout it out loud. Come on. Uh, we had about seven people got saved, and then I'd say almost ten people got healed. Yeah. Say, God is moving. <laughs> Dave and Faith are, are a couple that we're sending out from our church. Amen? That's part of our mission statement, fourth leg mission statement. In a few weeks, on the 18th, uh, Pastor Mike Cassell will be preaching. We're sending him out as well because God, he's accepted an opportunity in ministry at a church in Oconto, and we're going to bless them on that day, and he's going to preach to you one last time. So I'm excited about the ministry and the fruit of Calvary Church, but we need to 
continue to sow seeds so that we have ministry and fruit coming in the future, not just in the past. We can't afford to live in the past. We can't afford to live in yesterday, on yesterday's blessing. We need to press in and move forward. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Telling you the truth. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.11 says this, because we understand. Do you understand? Paul says we understand. Who's he speaking about? He's speaking about the believers, those who have trusted Christ as Savior. He's writing to the Corinthian church, but the Holy Spirit motivated Paul's heart to write, not just for the Corinthians, but for us in the 21st century, to Calvary Church. We understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard, why? To persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Paul was simply saying here that this is the reason we work hard. This is the reason we give our time and our efforts to serve in the local church. This is why we reach out to people who don't know Christ. This is why we try to live an example of someone who, when they look at our life, they see Christ and his glory in our life transforming us. Not that we're ever perfect, but that we're striving for perfection as we serve him. We're growing deeper in the word of God. This is why we read and study the word of God. This is why we plug in to small groups. This is why we go to Sunday school. This is why we go to Bible studies. It's so that we can learn and grow in the knowledge of the word so that the word will create faith in us, the ministry of the word, and so that we will serve, not just be blessed and then say, oh, I'm so blessed, but to bless others because you're blessed. Let your glory, the glory God fills you with, spill out on other people through your acts of service. Paul said, we understand that we have a fearful responsibility uh, to work hard. That's why we work hard, he says, to persuade others to come to Christ. To, how many, when's the last interested heard? Christ was someone who didn't know him. And you might say, well, they're, they're not interested. Oh, yeah, they are. They just don't know it yet. They just, they're just not aware of how much they want to hear the message of Christ. They need to know. And they need to know, first of all, because we live in a culture today that is a post-Christian culture where people do not understand or believe that they are sinners. That's a dirty word. And we're told, oh, don't tell people they're sinners. They need to know. They need to understand the consequences that if they don't accept the free gift of salvation from, from the graves of God, is that they're going to die and they're going to spend eternity in hell. That's one of the reasons we're doing heaven's gates and hell's flames, is so that they can see a clear picture of the choice that they have to make while there's still time in this life, because once they die, they can never go back and change their choice. We have a season of time. To reach them for Christ. We need to, as Paul say, we understand, Paul. God, we understand that we have a fearful responsibility to the Lord to work hard to persuade others to come to Christ. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. If it was easy, this whole nation would not be backslidden the way it is today. One of the reasons is, and I could get into that, it's not in my message, but I think an incredible complacency and laziness on the part of the body of Christ to accept the call of God to ministry, to witness to other people who are lost and dying. We have been deceived by the enemy. He has deceived us to say that if we speak up, they're going to reject us. Maybe they will, but they rejected Christ as well. But you're going to win some. We just finished a study uh, in the book of Acts on Wednesday evening, uh, last Wednesday evening. Sorry you missed it. 
But in the book of Acts, there was opportunity after opportunity. There were persecutions. There were beatings. There were imprisonments of the apostle Paul and Silas and, and the others that went out on those missionary journeys throughout the book of Acts. But they didn't quit when the going got tough. They didn't stop preaching. And every time they preached, they would have some who would say, I believe. Some were saying, I'm thinking about this. I want to hear more. And others who would totally reject it. But that didn't discourage the Apostle Paul or his comrades or the other apostles and missionaries. They kept preaching to win some, to win any, by any means possible. Message is, you can't quit. You can't stop. You can't quit moving in the, in the moving of the gifts of the Spirit as he motivates you and shows you ministry opportunities. I'm going to quit there. I just finished my introduction. So in a few weeks, I'll finish it. But I'm telling you that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to stir our hearts, to motivate our hearts, to accept the call that God has issued to every believer. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And I'm going to ask you today, first of all, have you received reconciliation from God? Have you responded to Him reaching out to you, the God reaching out to you? You're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, and you're feeling this strange feeling inside, like this message is touching. You need to respond to that message and make a decision today that I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior, that I'm going to be born again today. And I'm going to ask you as we're closing today, Every head bowed, eye closed. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to look around the room. Say, Pastor, I want to pray to receive Christ today as Savior. Would you lift your hands high? I know God's speaking to somebody. I can feel it in my spirit. I know you're here, and God is speaking to you. You need to respond. This is your moment to be saved. And I'm going to talk to those who are watching online, whether live stream or later in the, in the recording, is that if you don't know Christ as Savior, you can be saved today. You can receive Him as Savior and Lord and have your life transformed. You can be brought out of darkness into marvelous light. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to ask each and everyone to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I believe in You. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He's the Son of the living God. I believe He died on a cross for me. He paid my penalty of my sin that I might be righteous. He shed his blood for the remission of my sin. Lord, I receive Jesus today as my personal Savior and my Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen.